Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United podcast. I'm your host as always, Phil Brandt, joined with my regular co-host, the excellent Colin McGuigan. How are you doing, mate? All good, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Have a nice weekend. Good weekend, mate. United won, that's the main thing, isn't it? They did, it did. It was a brilliant fight Saturday night too with Lee Wood and Branko Lara, Mauricio Lara. Um, really, really good weekend. Um, <clears throat> yesterday, being the pinnacle, um, United, of course... Getting a fantastic thing that won against Leicester. I thought before that game, it'd be a difficult game. We'll talk about that. And obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the takeover. Which, I've decided that this is going to be the only platform I'm really going to discuss it on. Uh, because uh, Twitter is utterly impossible uh, to discuss this on without getting pointed views, without being accused of prejudice or anything else. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my own personal views on it. Um... And and the the review process and the vetting process and I'll give you my views and if you don't like it it's okay you can do it. I don't really care if you like me or dislike me for it but I can only tell you how I feel I don't want to tell you how I know what the popular thing is um to say and what we get likes and retweets and downloads and all that there and get out of boys but I'm gonna say what I've always believed from the start we get into that in a little bit <coughs> um we'll talk first of all. Before we get to the depressing part, which is the takeover, which to be honest, I'm fed up talking about, I'll talk about the fun part, which of course is United winning yesterday. Um, there were similarities in that Leicester game to me in the Barcelona game, in the sense that there was a period in the first half in Barcelona where Barcelona were really on top and they looked really dangerous and it was very, very concerning. Ten Hag makes some tactical adjustments, completely nullifies that. Changes the game completely. Rashford scores probably against the run-up play, to be fair. Took his goal really, really well. A similar, he had a very similar chance at the new Camp the other night. I was wondering if that would be in his head. I showed, he showed com- brilliant composure, confidence, and the fact that the chance at the new Camp, the one that he missed, didn't affect him. And uh, once again showed he's the most informed striker in the world. And it's not just his form, Colin, that impresses me. It's the fact that Ten Hag has kept him injury free, which is, uh, you know, again speaks to the brilliance of Ten Hag, the preparation. It's not just what he's got right on the pitch, it's the fitness, it's the preparation, it's all the things they say team, it's teams embody their manager. Um, we have got a real football manager on our hands here. I think the thing for me is that thinking about where we we've been and where we're going and on this transition we're in at the moment the best thing for me is the, the, the unity the team spirit mm-hmm. there was something that just mm-hmm. wasn't there ten hag's bred this into the side where every single man plays for not just themselves but for the the man who's lining up alongside them and i think like when you look at this squad and you look at the the team spirit amongst it that's the best thing that we have going for us at the moment we're a team we're a team united, and that's something that we completely lacked and we were missing out on over the, la- the last few years. Now, whenever it gets to it, and you said something there about Twitter, and I think it's important, a lot of people are very quick to jump down players' throats on Twitter. i seen so many things over the weekend against Weghorst. seen so many things against Fred. I don't know if these people watch the same game I'm watching because like, I go through some of these comments, and I get it. I do. I understand some of the white horse comments. I understand why people maybe are negative towards him. We're winning games, man. We're winning games. We're playing the best football we've seen in years, and that's 
that's the harsh truth here. This is the best football we've seen in years, but there's still people jumping down Weghorst's throat because he's not scoring or he's not doing this. He's actually been unbelievable. I don't care what anyone says. I rate what he's doing. I know you actually don't agree with me as such. I wouldn't say he's been unbelievable. I'm definitely glad he's there. His link-up play has been... See, if you took him out of the side and you put Martial in, you'd know all about it. It's as simple as that. I'm telling you, people would realise how much he'd be missed if he was taken out of this team and it was Martial starting instead of him. I think if Martial was fit, he would be starting ahead of him, to be honest. Weghorst is brought in to be a backup striker. But I, I, I agree that um, he's added another dimension that I didn't expect him to add. Um, and some of that is the unbelievable... You know, I, I don't know how many other managers would have done that. Would have taken a big six-foot-six strapping lad and stuck him in a role that no one saw coming. I, I want to talk about something about Ten Hag because... <clears throat> One of the things that, um, I, I, I love Solskjaer as a monitor, but one of the things that did bother me was this comment that someone needs to get the club. You know, that someone, you know, we hired Solskjaer because he understands the United Way, the United culture, he understands what we should be. And so Matt Busby played for Liverpool and City. Never oh. set foot inside United until he was hired. Ferguson, you know, never set foot in Slade United until he was hired. Did he, you know, nor had Ten Hag. Now, I am, I, I think these nonsensical barriers to hiring people show how clueless the previous regime really were. And, and, and the things that mattered to them that shouldn't have mattered. You know, I understood why whenever they sacked Mourinho, they wanted someone like Solskjaer, right? Because Mourinho was antithetical to what United should be, right? An attacking team on the front foot, exciting, all that. I get that completely. Um, but to turn around and claim that we need to hire somebody to get the club, I mean, Kenny Dalglish got Liverpool, the club, you know? I mean, it's just so ridiculous to me. Um and there's no question who the better manager for Liverpool has been. I'm so glad that United have people in positions of power that are making decisions based on who's right for the job, not because they play for the club or because they they have United DNA and all that bollocks. <clears throat> I think as well is like when you think of what we're doing at the moment, it's all really down to the man management style that Ten Hag has adapted. He's seen what certain players need. Some players need a kick up the backside. Some players need the arm around the shoulder. And I think that's been evident if you look at Luke Shaw and his progression at Manchester United this year. Look at Sancho now, since he's came back, since he had that tough time and he was out. And look look at the difference Ten Hag's made to him, for example. Because I think Sancho in a team over the past couple of seasons fades away into nothing. That's the truth, I think. If, if he goes through that spell and he tries yeah, to integrate right. back into it, he fades away into nothing. And that's where Ten Hag and his man management style and his style of management is really helping us at the minute. I want a uh, quick segue. I want to point out this comment that, uh, from Harry's boy. First of all, my, my sincere condolences. Um, I hope you're all right. I hope your family's all right. Thank you for the kind comment. And I really appreciate you and the fact that um, your father wants to listen to our podcast um, <clears throat> I know it's very difficult so thank you very much and I hope you're alright mate um, you look uh, the, you're, you're right in the sense that United wasn't the club you could rehabilitate yourself in you know once you 
prior to Ten Hag, once you had difficulties, people really recovered. And and it's and Sancho, I point to Luke Shaw as well, that has been rehabilitated. Um and others mentally, you know, obviously Riceford uh we'll get to him, but Sancho wants to get in scoring down a middle mid. Um I genuinely feel that's his best position. I genuinely feel that's where he's most comfortable. You see, if you're going to play down the middle, you have to be technically very, very good. Because you receive the ball constantly in dangerous positions where if you turn it over, it's really, really costly. You turn the ball over right wide, you'll usually get away with it. And Sancho, to me, is very technical. He's very, very good with his feet. Um, you know, he, he's... He is someone that plays very good in the holes and the spaces. I looked at a lot of his Dortmund um, goals and assists and they were either from the inverted winger position, which I think is also a position that he could play. Because um, uh, what you see with United in the middle is a lot of rotation in, that, in those positions between Fernandez, Weghorst, you know, calls out way, plays in the half spaces. I think um, Sancho is someone that could be really valuable to United down the middle. I agree with you. I think you, you said that a few weeks ago and I had said about the inverted winger style. I think like the old style of an out-and-out winger is more like a Carnaccio style, isn't it? Almost where Sancho just, he thrives on, on being down the middle. And I think I think actually he, he could play in the 10 role. I know what you're saying about his um, potential of if retaining the ball in that position is tougher. If you lose the ball in that position, it, it's going to have a detrimental effect on the team. But really, I think Sancho could thrive in that position for us. I think I want to point out one thing, though, about Fred, is that Fred gets pelters every single mm. week. He gets absolute pelters. He's an easy target. And I think people just give him pelters every week, right? What I'll say about Fred is he does all the simple things good. He doesn't start for Brazil. For any reason other than he's a really, really good footballer. He's a very, very influential part of this team. And if you don't see that, you don't know football. I don't care what anyone says to me. I get pelters all the time for backing him, but I will back him to the hills. I think I agree. he is. I think for like if you watch Fred, he was everywhere, right? He wasn't great in the first half, but the second half he was phenomenal. And I'm throwing that word out there, phenomenal, because in the second half he was the man of the match. In the second half, well, you need a phenomenal second half. You know, the, yeah. very few were good first half to be fair. And then Ten Hag once again, sorry, mate, I mean then to go ahead. No, okay. no, I was just going to say that Gary Neville made a point that you know it's with Fred. You don't know if you're going to get twenty minutes, twenty minutes of brilliance, and then twenty minutes minutes of nonsense and, and that is something that might happen with Fred, right? Maybe he's not consistent enough. Maybe maybe that's a fair point. But when Fred's on his game, he's one of the best at what he does. And he has taken players in the opposition teams out of games and it just goes on by. No one notices it and everyone will give him pelters because he does some, one thing stupid. Fred is a, honestly is so integral to this squad. But there's some other, like they do the same with the hair. You know, they'll point out this one uh, mistake yeah. and overlook the fact that he keeps United in games at times when, when probably no other goalkeeper would. Um, but uh, I think with Fred, I said this in last week's podcast, he reminds me a bit of um, Jason Park in uh, with with United, where Wonder uh, Ferguson were not the most glamorous player, but does a lot of things that other players don't want to do. Uh, runs his balls off, you know, he tracks runners really well, 
you'll find Fred on the edge of your 18 tracking a runner, making sure he's uh, intercepted a key ball, and then 30 seconds later, he's on the edge of the other box. Um, I think um, he is a very, very important player. And when I look at United's recent wins, I think he was really important in those, especially that Leeds game away, right? Where I thought he showed tremendous discipline and not getting sent off. Um, and he was, I mean, I don't know how many times I saw Leeds play balls into the box with runners and Fred being on the end of it, even away to Barcelona. I thought he played well. Um, you know, I, I think the uh, Sabitzer has also really smoothly fitted in. Another yeah, player that to me, you know, we always talk about, I mean, think about Compson, the, the, the language we were using before about other players we brought in the midfield, we need to unlock them, you know, we need discipline, we need a year to adapt to the Premier League. Bringing players in in January is really hard because you don't get a pre-season. You have to hit the ground running, you have to integrate into a team right away. The pace of the Premier League is, is, is the, the intensity and the pace of the Premier League is unlike anything else in the world. You know, other leagues have unique identities. I would say the Spanish League is much more technical. The pace and intensity and the speed of the game in England is very, very hard to adapt to. So, but they've never played in England before. Seamlessly stepped in. And once again, another really shrewd signing at an important time when you know, he's he's pretty much started with the exception of his debut, I think, every game. Obviously, I know he was suspended with Barcelona. And since he's been here, I've seen him a vague horse. Those were two really important January signings. I think as well, like the Sabitzer point's really interesting because he's going to be available in the summer for twenty three million. I think was the the fee thrown about red. Right? I think it is vital that you get him for that price. Think about the strength and depth, right? Think about Fred, who's going for twenty three million, mate. Christian, I know that that's that in itself. But Fred, Christian Eriksen, Bruno, Casemiro, Sabitzer, like now we're talking about a stage where you have got options, where you have got strength and depth something that we've lacked over the past three four years where we've been going oh it's fred mctominay again it's not going to be like that anymore so i really really hope like obviously we've only seen him in a couple of games but how he started i've seen him play before i've seen him when he, when he was in germany i've seen him in austria he looks like a really 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 good player and i hope we send him this summer well we've said about um, one of the things they need is players that they can rotate without a massive drop-off in quality. And I think Sabitzer gives you that, right? I think you can rotate Sabitzer in when you have everyone fit and you don't get a huge drop-off. This is one, obviously one of the issues with Casemiro. Um, when he doesn't play, you need it. I mean, that first half, that you see that Harvey Barnes run where De Gea saved that. That was where I was looking at that going, there's really, we need to miss Casemiro right down the middle, right? I don't think that happens if he's there. Um, and so I just think that the drop off is really big. Uh, brilliant to see Kobe Manu get his, uh, you know, his Premier League debut at the weekend to seventeen year old. Excellent to see that happen. Um, it was other things that that really pleased me. That second half was the complete contrast to anything that we were seeing last season. And Ten Hag walking off the pitch with that. You know, rose and you know, defense and beat Barcelona together, be here Thursday. I mean, it's hard for me to describe my debt of gratitude to what Ten Hag has done at this football club and what an exceptional, not just coach but manager. I mean, me unbelievable. Like, there's so much that he's got right to get a football team playing like that where 
players are willing to give a ring for each other for the fans for the shirt uh that is not easy and let me tell you something Cam. i know people don't want to talk about this but United are the best form team in the country right now, with the best in-form striker right now. And if they can maintain that form up until May, I'm telling you right now, United, I, I, I don't want to say it too loud, but if United can maintain that form, remember Ericsson still to come back, you're going to get a fresh Casemiro because he's had a few weeks off pretty much with the exception of Barcelona game. I thought he was right to bring Rashford off at the weekend because he needed to rest him. Um... Anthony to come back I still think there's he can contribute Sancho finding his form again you laughed at me at the start of the season when we both sat here and you said like what's a realistic expectation I would but, never agree I mean I had no um, idea you, you laughed at me you laughed at me when I said we should be in every competition to win it we're sitting here yes granted there was a World Cup break right we're sitting here just moving into March next week and we're in every competition we entered We've got a cup final this weekend. We are two points off City. Am I right in saying three mm-hmm. points off City? Uh, three. And there's a genuine possibility that we could be title contenders. I'm not saying we're going to win it, but title contenders. Arsenal are going to blow up. City are the team to beat. We're three points behind them. I mean, <laughs> Phil... Well, Tata looks like he's about to blow up. Phil did say we would be relegated. <laughs> so, I mean, this, this is this is it. a game of opinions. Football is a game of opinions. And, uh, Phil I think that's your Maz account. Do you know what? Uh, he actually me every bat- week. He, bat- he battered me every week about my facial hair, and I haven't heard nothing since. I like this guy, you know. MPC HMR, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Slipping bribes, I'm taking shots everywhere here, I'm telling you. We're going to have to disable comments and these shows going forward. I took it for weeks, mate. <laughs> I'm glad it's going your way at the moment. I have a big muscle, I love to say it. Um, but, um, uh, I thought he like again Garnacho getting taken off at halftime was a smart move. Right? I thought um United were getting hurt down that left hand side, right hand side. Partly make, because make no mistake, didn't though, want to come back. I, I think that's a game last season without Ten Hag's management that leave might be calling. But I think that's a game last season without Ten Hag's management that we let slip, that we come out the second half and we are trying to get that goal. We're trying to do things different that we concede on the break. That's the difference with this team. There, we find a way to win when there's no way to win. And I'm not talking just about the weekend because we've done it quite easily, really, at the weekend. If you think about it, from halftime onwards, it was a breeze. But that's because of Ten Hag's management skills. I mean, this guy saying about Hannibal coming back, and he yeah. looks good for Birmingham. I agree. Hannibal looks great for Birmingham. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the, the first team for the next couple of years, probably. I mean, it's good, looking great for Birmingham, but but let's see how he can do it in the Premier League. Give him a few years at, at Birmingham. No real expectations. I mean, I've seen something there about Kobe. Well, possibly a mad. I think he have done the right yeah, thing. Yeah, a mad. But again, Sunderland. Again, I think Palestri would do could do with something like that. Yeah, I agree. I think it. I think um, that would be exceptional for him. A, a really good championship loan. Um, I mean, I thought he did quite well when he came on against Leeds. But good to see Nitty getting Garnacho's contract more or less out of the way, which has been something that, um, you know, the, the kid... Yeah, I, I did a pod, We did a podcast last week. I wasn't particularly happy with some of my emotional responses to the Garnacho comments, to be honest. And obviously, some of the Mason Greenwood stuff I don't think is really appropriate for us to be discussing anymore. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to get back into it, but... 
he's an exceptional young talent and we're really really lucky to have a kid that can come on and change games um he reminds me a bit of Solskjaer in, in a way that when he comes on, I think he really analyses games from the bench. At 18 to do that's unbelievable. And he makes tremendous impacts when he comes on when he comes on. Um, you know, in and usually last twenty minutes when players are tired, his pace, his directness, his confidence, you know, maybe if Riceford scores that he scores, I don't know, is the first one, but I really like him. And, but uh, the thing is, there's not that many like him out there at the moment. There's no real out-and-out wingers out there. Mm. He is he is something that everyone... He's a coveted player because everyone needs someone like that in their side. And at the moment, we've got him. I mean, it looks like he's going to sign a, a contract, five-year deal. But we should be getting behind our young players. I completely understand seasoned professionals taking criticism... And, and because you know, obviously, when you when a player meets, reaches maturation, if a player is at his peak, they're gonna get viewed differently. I get that. Um, but eighteen year olds, you know, I think about where I was at eighteen physically and mentally, and how easy it would have been, especially with social media, to where, you know, the 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 doubt, the negativity screams really loudly in your ear, and it's really easy to get inside your head, you know. I think it takes enormous mental strength to play for a club like Manchester United where the focus is just truly unbelievable as we've seen with this takeover top which is so utterly depressing at this moment in time um, which you know we'll, we'll segue to in a minute. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what your expectations are of Barcelona uh, and Newcastle. Barcelona, I want to say... I'm so confident that we're going to mm-hmm. go through to the next round that I think Barcelona is the least of our worries. I think, I don't mean that in a, I'm not dismissing Barcelona who are a great side. They're missing Gavi, they're missing Pedri. They've got a, a bit of problems there. I think the atmosphere at Old Trafford will be like something we haven't experienced at Old Trafford in, in a good number of years. We're playing good football. We're in a good stage this season. I fancy us to do the business on Thursday night I just think I don't know there's something special about nights under the lights at Old Trafford and I think I don't know I just think we'll have a bit a bit too much for Barcelona especially at home on Thursday night Sunday mm-hmm. Sunday again I feel much the same I think we could go out there and blitz Newcastle but at the same time this is a massive game for Newcastle this is their cup final of cup finals really I mean, from where they've came from to where they are now, this they really want this. So I don't think by any means they're going to be a pushover. I do fancy as again, I'm going to be there, so I can't wait for it. I mean, it's been a while since we had a cup final, but I think I don't know. I just fancy us. They've been they've certainly been wobbling, and I think one of the things that I like about Ten Hag is he projects in our confidence, and I think United. One of the issues with United in the past when they were getting the finals and losing them was the mentality. You know, um, did they really believe that they were going to go there and win the game? I think the Ten Hag will have United going to Wembley believing they're going to win that game. Obviously, the Newcastle goalkeeping situation won't help them. Um, if you're third choice goalkeeper, you're third choice goalkeeper for a reason. I don't so, read too much into that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think we're, you know, I mean, we, we wouldn't surprise me to see if Carius plays part of the game of his life, you know. Um, obviously, the, the lasting memory of Carius is that Champions League final, and we'll probably want to address that, and some perfect opportunity to do so. But 
I don't think these things, when it comes to deciding who wins these finals, will be key. I think it's going to be about how United play. Will Thursday be in a, you know, Newcastle don't play again until the, until the League Cup final. You need to have to play on Thursday. The hope is you don't get any injuries in that game. No key injuries to key players, which would really change, um, you know, the, the, the your, you know, would really change how you look at this game and, and, and the potential outcomes. If Rashford or something was to pick up an injury, it'd be devastating. So, if you nearly can get through on what would be ideal on Thursday is to be going just like it was against Leicester, sitting with a couple of goal lead and where you could make changes and, and prepare for that final. Uh, it definitely is a big advantage not to play until next Sunday for Newcastle. Uh, United are probably running on adrenaline a bit momentum. They did look tired in that first half, I'll be honest. Um, but, uh, you know, Ten Hag was scathing in his criticism, which in some sense I look at him and I'm like, this guy is, you know, he expects the very high standards every week. And you could see United responded to a bollocking at half-time against Leicester. I think he'll have them prepped properly. And as he says in his own words, finals are to be won. How important is it to get that first piece of silver work for us? Because, I mean, just the injection of confidence it gives going in to the second half of the season, really, because this is like the second half of the season that we're going to do now after this. Like, there's just so much that, that can come off the back of that. I think... Obviously, as well, we've got massive. Um, we've got we've got massive aspirations as a fan base, but real really, when you think about the reality of situations, we haven't been in a situation like this for so long that it feels weird even talking about it. Manchester United in a cup final, Manchester United in a massive mm-hmm. game against Barcelona three days before, Manchester United in a title race. These are things that we haven't spoken about for years. Still seems weird. Ten Hag's done this in less than a year. Unbelievable, uh, truly unbelievable. I mean, since the second game of the season, right after that Brantford game, United have been the most informed team in the league. I, I can't believe we're even saying that. Um, I want to uh, quickly comment on uh, something that Robbie Norman saying here because we were talking about this before we went on the air because you were just had mentioned you got an email uh, from United saying the ticket prices have gone up 5%. Um, essentially, United saying that they're going to cover 15% of inflation. In other words, it should have gone up 10%. They're going to cover the other 50%. It's the first ticket price the Glazers have had, uh, increased had in a long time, to be fair. Um, it does seem to be a bit of strange timing considering what's going on at the football club that they would announce that, given that whoever owns the club by April, assuming that's what happens, I mean, that's the decision that could get reversed. Well, they've said on that email that the season ticket has to be paid for by the 5th of May, which I think is interesting because the season isn't even over by then. Normally they wait until the season is over, the last Premier League game. I think the last Premier League game is on the 29th of May this year. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's true. Strange the way that they're asking for the money on the 5th of May as the latest renewal date. I mean, realistically, if we've got a new owner coming in, surely that's something that's going to wait until then? Or is this a separate entity altogether? Is this just how the club and the powers that be that are at the club at the moment who likely won't change have decided that the ticket structure is going to go going forward? Is this something... Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I just find it a weird time that they sent this email out. Yeah, it is a bit strange, to be honest. Obviously, that uh, segues into the discussion about the takeover that... Um, Blew up on Friday, obviously, with the expectation that we knew that that was a soft deadline with the bids have come in. And 
honestly, I've grown tired of this completely. I, I'm I'm completely fed up with it. Um, it's going to be a lot of twists and turns in this before it's over. It's not a guarantee that the glazers will sell, by the way. Uh, I think it is. Well, let me just say a few things, mate, right? <clears throat> what is a guarantee is that the football club has to change um, beyond recognition. It's just, it's, it, United's books are Paul, right? And I'll talk a little bit about Ratcliffe, I'll talk a little bit about the Qataris and what have you. Um, you know, when it, whoever wants to own Manchester United, they must be vetted. I don't care. It's as simple as that. And that goes for Jim Ratcliffe. You know, Jim Ratcliffe's tax issues, his fracking issues, his environmental issues definitely needs to be looked at. 100%. Now, this is a topic that is utterly impossible to discuss on Twitter. Because, and I'm not just talking about kids here, I'm talking about some grown men who should know better. Seem to be personally offended at even the mere mention of a must statement or retweeting a Jim Ratcliffe bid statement as if uh, you're taking something personally from them, which then proceeds to result in a litany of abuse, not just at me, but many others. So when people tweet me and say, what's going on? I don't want to give you, I don't want to tell you anymore because I don't want the litany of abuse that comes with it. My children see something like that, my kid sees that. And then he'll say to me, why are you being called a racist? And it's impossible to talk about this. He's 16. He's a United fan. He knows my values and principles in life. He knows that I'm entirely consistent on that, regardless of who it is. I've been a vocal, virulent critic of the Catholic Church for their molestation of children in my country, for burying children in a marked grave, for putting women in forced labour camps, for backing the Nazis in World War Two, for uh, you know, denying women access to healthcare. I'm a father of two daughters. And they mean more to me than anything in the world. And anyone who denies their equivalency to other human beings, we've got a problem. Anyone who denies a human being's right to love somebody else, we've got a problem. Anyone that denies their agency, we have a problem. I don't care who it is. I don't care in whose name it's done. It doesn't matter to me. And it is entirely appropriate that journalists ask questions about potential owners and their background and who's owning football clubs and why and who they're connected to. Because undoubtedly, and in Qatar, the biggest victims are fellow Muslims, undoubtedly. So if you endorse quite abhorrent views on other human beings, then I have a problem with that. Manchester United fans opposed Rupert Murdoch's bid uh, back in 1989. Not just because, <clears throat> and they wrote the Monopolies and Mergers Commission, not just because of the fact that they didn't want someone like that owning the football club, given that he was the owner of Sky and of the, the, he would be completely unethical for the owner of a broadcaster to own the biggest football club in the country and determine how TV rates were negotiated. But also because <clears throat> of the fact that he's changed the body politic in countries by putting out absolutely despicable racist shit. Nonsense. He has, he has radicalised people. He has endorsed horrendous treatment of immigrants, migrants, other human beings. I don't want someone like that owning my football club. Okay? 
you don't have to like my views. I'm not asking you to feel the way I feel. I'm not asking you to endorse that. I'm not asking you to like me. I don't really care, to be quite honest. Right? It's entirely appropriate that Manchester United Football Club, whoever wants to own it, right, is commensurate with the values of the football club. I understand why you want the money. I understand why you want the sentence. I understand why you want the investment at Old Trafford. I do too. I hate the Glazers. Not just, as I've said, because of the way they've run the football club, but because of who they are as human beings. Right? They're not nice people. <clears throat> so I want someone to own this football club that is consistent with the values that I identify with Manchester United. And I loved when United opened up their stadium to the homeless. <clears throat> I loved... During COVID, uh, you know, Manchester United made, you know, uh, community contributions, uh, financial otherwise. I love what Marcus Rashford did with his platform when he helped other people. Because there is, in my opinion, no safe haven for anyone who's a bigot, for anyone who's a sexist, for anyone who's a homophobe, for any of those people. I don't care where you come from, what your background is. I live in a country where uh, the LGBTQ community just in the last year have had two mass shootings. Right, and you will not find me being morally inconsistent on this. I will criticize it to the hilt. We've had women say they don't want Mason Greenwood back in the team. So how do you square having people own the football club that have abhorrent views on women? I don't care if that offends you, because it's not me that's a problem. It's you, right? Women are our equals. They're human beings. I don't care, and, and this is not me proselytizing, this is something that matters to me. Jim Ratcliffe should absolutely be scrutinised to the hilt, and it's entirely appropriate that journalists do exactly the same. His environmentalism needs to be questioned, his tax issues need to be questioned. 100%. So, when it comes to these people trying to own this football club, if Jim Ratcliffe is involved with passing laws that deny a human being's humanity, the right to love whoever they want, the right to be whoever they want, the right to equivalency, the right to equality, the right to agency. If he's involved in that, he should be slaughtered for that, as anyone should. Manchester United don't need people like this owning their football club. Manchester United can accomplish the greatest, the greatest awards in the sport, the greatest trophies in the sport, Champions League, without being owned like this. I have been a very long critic of City, and their owners, and the fact that their fans are incapable of criticising their owners. I've been a virulent critic of PSG for doing the same, Newcastle for doing the same. Because there is some things that are more important than football. And that's my view on it. I'm not going to keep going on Twitter. I don't care who it is. right? Whether it's Martin Edwards, whether it's JP McManus and Magner, whether it's the Glazers, whether it's Louis Edwards, I don't care who it is. You... And journalists are entirely appropriate to ask questions. And if you turn around and say, I don't care about that because they're going to bias players, maybe you want to take a hard look at yourself. I don't, Sorry, have, anything. Maybe on it, don't have anything to add to it. I mean, really though, is there ever going to be a right owner? Is well, there ever going to be someone that ticks every box who who is this wealthy? Because I think it's a fair comment to say that there's, and I've said it before on this, it's not always going to be the grass is greener on the other side. There's always going to be issues with people of this wealth, of these stature that we're talking about. Like yes, who, really, who really is the front runner? It looks like Qatar. Well, I have issues with Jim Ratcliffe's bid and beyond the ethics, but I'm talking about the debt, which yeah, I'm not... I mean, 
Oh, I, I, I really don't understand why he would take out that much debt or through any of us to fund what is essentially a badly run business and really has limited financial growth, uh, has limited potential for further growth financially uh, without major structural changes to football. I don't understand where that return is coming from. I have issues with the fact he's 70. Who's going to take over the football club in 10 years when Jim, if, if Jim passes away, right? What's the contingency? And, you know, the, this talk about 69%, the reason why he's buying 69% is that's the only mandate that Rain Group have to sell because that's how much the Glazers own of Manchester United. The rest is owned by other people. The Glazers have been selling off parts United for a long time. So, um, Obviously, there, and Jim hasn't talked about removing all of United's debt. That that concerns me. I, I, I don't want that. I don't want investors offering the Glazers financing to stay. I desperately don't want that. And what I would say is when the Red Knights were trying to take over United back in 2013-12, they were also, the, the anchor of that was the Qataris, you know, Qatari money. That's on the uh, United We Stand Andy Mitten podcast where you can hear Jim O'Neill actually talk about this. So, you know, the, the Manchester needs that investment, no question. It needs the investment in the city. It's a northern city that badly needs investment. It's a country that runs at a deficit. The, you know, the, the England runs at a deficit financially. It needs the investment, no doubt about it. Um, but it is entirely appropriate that human beings, that are going to own this football club are vetted and must are well within their rights to speak for their members to release statements as are other independent organizations that are comprised of Manchester United fans are entirely appropriate and you are not racist for asking questions i'm sorry no matter how much that pisses people off it is a vile vile that that is a that is a, a there's a couple of things that if you accuse me of that really do bother me and that's one of them Right, because in my life, it's I I do everything I can possibly to make sure that I treat every human being the same. And I live in a very diverse country, and my social circle is comprised of very diverse people who I love dearly: Hispanic people, you know, African Americans, you know, Latin Americans, whatever. Right, that and I'm very proud of that. Uh, that is a, an insult that lands heavily on me and it's killing my desire to even want to talk about this on Twitter because it's utterly impossible because as soon as you say something I mean just a mere retweeting of Jim Ratcliffe's better than Manchester United finally cover Manchester United I should be retweeting stuff like that the first couple of comments fucking scumbag racist I'm like what? I don't want to do this so I don't mind people asking me what's going on with the bed and everything I don't want to comment anymore because it's utterly impossible. And to me, it, I know kids, some kids do this and that's fine. But if you're a grown adult doing this, the only thing, I mean, take a look at Laurie Whitwell, Andy Mitten, all of them are getting slaughtered. It's despicable. It's absolutely despicable. I assume people's aversion to Jim Ratcliffe isn't based on their personal prejudice. I assume... It's not racism is the underlying reason why you don't don't want Jim Ratcliffe to go to the football club or anyone else. Anyway, I mean, honestly, social media has distorted so much. It certainly has its values. Um, 
as you know, I'm a massive proponent of mental health and treating people and human beings with dignity and respect across all spectrums. That's something that really matters to me. And uh, I, do, I, I, just, I, I just wish there was a way we could talk about this in a way that didn't trigger people. I, I want the same things they want. I want an Old Trafford a, a, a investment in stadium, investment in the infrastructure, new players. I want to compete. I'm not even worried about the Qataris taking over United and United dominating world football because I still don't think that will happen. You still think you can only sign 22 players. You know, there's still Real Madrid will still sign world class players. Barcelona will still sign world class players. Other clubs will still sign world class players. Man City and PSG haven't been able to buy out Champions League between them. So I don't <laughs> think that it would result in massive domination. The FFP still limits how you can do that. I mean, I don't think it would also result in Mbappe and all these players sending for United tomorrow morning. So that's not even my concern. My concern is I want people to own this football club that sees my two daughters in the same way they see my two sons. I think that's a fair point. I'm not asking for superiority, mate. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just asking for the the two people that mean, the four people that mean the most to me in life for my, in my life for my children. And every other parent will be the same way. And so I cannot endorse anything, anyone or any human being. I mean, I reel against anyone that tries to deprive anyone of human rights, anywhere, in the US, anywhere. And it's entirely appropriate that anyone involved in that should be vetted. And there's nothing wrong with journalists asking those questions. Anyway, <clears throat> I did a podcast on this in Friday because I do think there's a lot of hypocrisy. I do think that there's a lot of stuff written. There's no question United are looked at in a whole different lens than the rest of world football, or, or, for, or, or probably the rest of England. I think United and Liverpool are held to a different standard. There's no question. The gatekeeping time is over. Uh, legally, there's no way to prevent a Qatari takeover, nor should there be. Uh, foreign investment is key. It's really, really important. And you can't discriminate on where that money comes from. But you, but, but the people behind that deserve that. There's nothing wrong with that. 100%, mate. You're on the money on that one. Can't disagree with you. For once. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I, 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 I just, I, I can't indulge in human cruelty or cruelty to any other people. I just, I, I, I can't, I'm just not on board with that, no matter what. Um, and that, and, and, and there is nowhere you'll find me inconsistent on that. Nowhere. Go through my Twitter. Go through my social media record. One thing is that you'll be consistent on that, mate. You might, you might be inconsistent in other matters. You might tell me that United will get relegated. You might tell me that all these things you said you never said, but this is one one thing I can't deny you. Well, you you'll also have that. You, you also had their own member, right? <clears throat> I've taken more drugs than Lance Armstrong, so there's a <laughs> little bit. My memory's not the best, right? It's so. Um, I'm just glad no. we have a loyal fan base here who watch every week, and some of these people remember some of the madness you say at points, and then I go, right, this guy told me he's not going to watch happen. the World Cup. This guy told me he's not going to watch the World Cup, and then he watched the World Cup. I actually was going to tweet you the day. No, no, I, 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 I was actually Cup. thinking about that comment. I probably said I had no interest in watching the World Cup, no, uh, which I didn't I actually, Yeah, and then I turned around and I said to you, just, just to, I've been thinking about this all week. It's been on my mind. I actually turned around and said to you, okay, so categorically, Phil, you're telling me you're not going to watch the World Cup, and you said to me, mate, I'm telling you now, I'm not watching the World Cup. And I said, we'll see about that. And then we well, ended up. 
I, 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 I don't believe that happened. I think you. I, <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think you're like a police informant. You remember things that yeah. didn't happen at all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, definitely, uh, definitely, you need to be on a watch list. Definitely, don't be telling yeah. this man any secrets. He's informing the police and all types of things. There's no question about that. Um, oh, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's possible that they said that, but I don't believe I did. Uh, anyway, no, no, listen. Uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, we will see what happens. There's a lot that will happen between these, these beds. And Jim Ratcliffe is not a panacea. And uh, there's, I have major problems with the content of his bed and, um, I, I, and, and contingency plans and what have you. We will see what happens. Uh, Calm as always, mate. Thanks very much for doing this. Thanks to all of you for downloading uh, the podcast, liking it, and following us. Much, much appreciated. I love you all very, very much. The I hope you fill up the world. That's good. And that's the other thing. Reeling against these Ireland is full of households. Yes. I don't want to start them. I don't no, want to start them. No, I don't care. I'm not having that. Right? I'm an immigrant. And You're not um, having what? Sorry. The no, no. I'm, I'm talking about. I was also reeling against those arseholes. Those Ireland is full arseholes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's shambles. That's... Yeah, it's despicable. Uh, all right, mate. Leave it there. Yes. Thanks very much uh, for to downloads, likes, retweets, everyone. Take it easy, mate, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, folks. Speak soon. Yeah. Bye.